crazy? It's so dumb. Why? Exactly. Why? But this is for people that mix in this shit, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's your boy, Andrew Luring, a.k.a. Rue, a.k.a. the president managing member dude of Super Legit Records, Super Legit Productions, Super Legit Studio, all the Super Legits, man. We're here. We're doing it. Hey, guys. This is Lizzie with Emo Social Club, and that was Andrew Luring of Super Legit based out of here in Chicago. Essentially, what it is, it's kind of a hodgepodge or production studio, and a little bit of like a promotion music management firm as well. But you'll find out a little bit more later in the interview that we have with Luring. He goes through a lot of different things that we really wouldn't chalk up to being an industry professional necessarily. For one, he's trying to release everything on his own and making mistakes along the way so he doesn't have to put the burden on other individuals while he's still trying to figure it out. He's a former programmer who almost worked at Google and YouTube as well. And while this is a little bit more EDM, he still has his punk and scene kid ruts, and you'll hear a little bit more of that as well. So thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. And make sure you check out the Black Market this Saturday. We're going to include the link below. And we're also going to include it on all our social medias as well. And make sure you check it out. It's free drinks and it's about 20 bucks. And it is an EDM show, so it may be a little bit too far removed from what a lot of you are usually used to. However, you have to experience different music. And that is something that sort of changed in my mind during this interview. Um, where I'm from in Ohio, like this little small town and... Um, my mom runs nursing homes, so I would, like, always go and hang out in her nursing homes and stuff, and I was, like, just, like, talk to a bunch of, like, older people, and they're all, like, wise and stuff, so it's, like, it's great to, like, talk to people that are, like, way older than you, because they, like, save you a ton of pitfalls, man. Yeah. It's so good. Like, uh, yeah, I I don't remember. I mean, like, there's just a bunch of, like, life lessons and stuff that came from that, and they're really cool, but, um... Is there any type of life lesson that you took from there that was, like, really something that you really stick with? Um, I think the main thing would probably just be, like, you know, you have to be aware of, you have to be aware of the people that you're around, you know, and, like, it's, it's not, you know, if you're around, if you surround yourself with a bunch of people who are, like, you know, doing hard drugs or, like, heroin or something, like, it's... I, when I was, like, really into punk music, I was like, guilty by association, fuck, nah. But, like, now I kind of get it. It's, like, it's not, like, the concern is, like, about being associated with people. It's, like, the concern is, like, your safety and stuff. And so, you know, you, like, you have to be aware of just, like, how other people around you kind of are, what their mindset is, because it affects you, you know? Like, if, if all of your friends think in like a nihilistic kind of way then it's like naturally those are the people that you spend the most time with so you'll end up thinking in that way and if you don't like that then but I mean the biggest thing the biggest life lesson anyone ever like I ever learned I think was like Saul Williams he's like a poet I don't know um he had this talk at Columbia in like when I moved here literally the month that I moved here in 2008 and he has this poem called Talk to Strangers. And that shit is the most... Like, it's the only poem I can recite from heart. And it's 
the most prolific shit, and it's basically about, like, you know, talk to people, like, be a part of the community of stuff, and, I mean, care about other people, and I don't know. It's really good. Highly recommend you look at it. I could recite it. Like, that was actually one of my things, was, like, a lot of the people that I've met that are, like, the coolest people, like, all of my, most of my friends and stuff, I'm kind of, like, a bouncy kind of person. I think that's one of the reasons why it's a, our mascot's a bunny, a weird-ass bunny. It's because I just, like, bounce around. Like, I always have headphones on. Um, I just kind of bounce around and, like, I'm really bad at, like, when I'm in an elevator with people, like, not being, making some stupid joke. Um, and that's, like, how I've met, like, most of my friends, like, is, like, just being trapped in an elevator with people. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think that's, it's really big to be active in, like, the people that you're around and like in community and stuff that's pretty big it's one of the things that we're trying to do is super legit actually in general right well yeah i mean like a big thing that we're trying to do that i want to do with super legit is like before before this i was a like i went from like djing every like weekend and stuff when i was in school i went to schoolyard institute of chicago and I went from DJing, like, every weekend to doing that. And then when I graduated, I was like, fuck, I don't want to be poor and, like, broke and, like, scared and, like, homeless and shit. And so then I, like, learned how to code. I was like, I was one of the success stories of, like, you can teach yourself how to code. Like, that was me. So then I went from that, and then I just basically, like, I went from, like, being a super outgoing, like, going out every weekend, doing stuff and DJing and fun stuff. And then I, like, completely pivoted to, like, Spending all of my time indoors, no sunlight ever, and just, like, coding, like, constantly. And so, I did that for, like, six years and just realized, like, I was coming home every day. And I was just, like, not miserable, but, like, I felt like I was, like, lacking something. Because, you know, I always wanted to do this. Like, this was, like, the thing that I was trying to do always was, like, make music and play shows. And make good art in general. And then... I would come home and I was just, like, playing video games every day. And it just felt like... I mean, I play video games still. But, like, now I do it as, like, a release from stress. It's, like, really good to, like, come home and turn your brain off for a little bit. But then it was just, like, that was the only thing that I did, you know? And it was just... It wasn't good. Like, it was just bad. It wasn't... And then, um, you know, I moved to Los Angeles, like, two years ago just to take some classes because I was, like, I need to like, change this, like, I need to not be doing this anymore, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, um, I was working as a developer at Sears as, like, a contractor, and then, like, I never had to go into the office, and I was just like, you know what, look, it doesn't matter if I work from here or Los Angeles, they're not gonna know, so then I moved to Los Angeles and was working there, and was like, you know what, I have enough money to, like, live in this closet and, like, go to class, I'm just gonna quit this job. I quit the job and it was such a good idea like because then I got to do like I got to live you know one of the things that Saul Williams uh said at that um talk someone asked like what's the right balance of like going out and experiencing life and then like writing and doing your work and he's like well there is a balance that you have to find but you also have to think like you can't shit if you haven't eaten you know so it's like doing work it like, you, you can't get inspiration from staying at home and doing work all the time. A big part of, like, work is turning off and, like, not working. People forget that a lot. And I forgot it a lot. Like, one of the things that sucks or sucked about going to, like, 
music festivals and like shows and stuff like now that I'm like 31 it's just like there aren't that many people like 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 a bunch of my friends moved away and got married and did their thing I'm single and I do this and uh I just I go to shows all the time and when I when I go by myself the thing that sucks is like you go to it and there's not like I feel like the the only time I talk to people is when I'm handing them money and that sucks because like you're around like hundreds of people and like you don't feel particularly like warm and invited in order to like start conversations with people plus the music's loud and, and so it's like not even really possible so it's kind of like a lonely experience going to shows alone and one of the things that I want to do with our you know super legit productions parties um, is it like I want to like kind of cultivate the experience so like you know like people are um, put in situations where they're like either have to communicate or like are heavily like encouraged to communicate you know um, a lot of my influences of that stuff comes from like rave culture and stuff because I always felt like when I used to go to raves when I was a, like younger um, getting to the rave was like a huge part of it you know like you would go and you would go to this like parking lot or something and you know you would have to like this weird intermediary point and you had to go there with your friends and then everybody would be like this is super sketchy <laughs> you know like who is this guy and then you have to go up and whatever um, but it was like an exciting thing one of the things that made raves going fun going to fun was just like the experience of getting there and like I feel like if we like took that idea and just kind of like turned it up like it would be like really fun like you know like one the dream for one of my parties in the future is to have this thing where you go basically everybody's like assigned like an animal and so then they have to go to a target parking lot and that's where they go <laughs> everybody goes to meet at the target parking lot and they're given a time they have to go there between like eight and nine o'clock and they go there in the, in the target parking lot and they have to like be their animal so it's like if you're a tiger you gotta either look like a tiger or you gotta be somehow associated with a tiger. So then you gotta go in and like, you know, maybe they don't have any more tiger ears because everybody else has tiger ears. So you gotta get like frosted flakes, you know? <laughs> and then you gotta come back out and then like at like after after a certain amount of time you go and then you talk to the dude and you know, like it's a whole experience and then you have to like they they kind of lead you in a caravan to like where the party is. So everybody arrives at once. And one of the reasons I want to do that is because it's such a fucking weird idea. That is weird. I've never, I've personally never been to raves, or I don't know a lot of friends who go to raves weird. either. But I think it's so interesting because I didn't think, I know that getting to the gig sometimes is hard, but yeah. I didn't realize that for at least rave culture, it's that wild. Dude, it's not. I mean, it, it has been, like, a lot of the influences that I have with this stuff, like, some of them come from Chicago and me actually going to raves in Chicago. But... Most of it is just, like, stories of how it was in the 90s in the UK and and in Chicago and in uh, my friends, like, in Detroit. Like, you know, it would be like that. You wouldn't, it would, you wouldn't have to do all of that stuff of, like, finding, you know, bunny ears necessarily or whatever. But, like, you would have to go in these weird intermediary points to meet up because they're always, like, trying to be one step ahead of the cops. So, like, that kind of, like, especially with, like, in the UK, they have, like, they call um, the area around, I think, London, 
like the Orbit or Orbital or something. And that's where Orbital, the band, got their name is from that, I think. And so they called it that because you had to like basically follow a caravan of people in order to get to the rave because no one knows where it is until like you get there, which is one of the things that's cool about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to do I want to do something like that where it's it's like almost like a scavenger hunt that just ends up at a party and the party's dope. But like the whole experience from everything from like buying the ticket online and like that whole thing to like getting to the party to being at the party is like, you know a weird and fun experience that like you know when you're in a weird situation like that you're kind of like you want to talk to people because you're like what the fuck is going on you know <laughs> and I think it's like really I think that's one of the things that's like cool about it um so yeah I, that's like the party that I want to throw I also like the idea of like having like not having money for anything but like having everything like you pay for in social capital you know so it's like you rather than like having to pay money to get a drink, you have to have like a new friend. Oh, it's, that that would be a different concept. How do you feel? A lot of people would interact, like think about it though. I know a lot of people, yeah. at least myself. I'm more in like the emo pop punk scene, but oh, dope. they're very hesitant. It seems like talk to people as much as they're like, oh, bring new friends. It's yeah. very like gatekeeper closed off. So yeah, I would totally. wonder how that would translate with a lot of people. Dude, that's the thing, man. Is that honestly like. A lot of these ideas that I have, I have no fucking idea how how any of them would go. But that's kind of one of the things that's kind of fun about it. I mean, like, we're not doing anything super exciting. I mean, for Black Market, the party that we're throwing next Saturday, which you guys should come to, by the way. You guys both have a plus one. Uh, talk about it. It's going to be great. Um, you know, it's like under a bridge. And, like, th- like that's like the... For me, that's the cool thing about it, is that it's, like, under a bridge, there's a giant Frankie Knuckles mural next to it, um, but, like, you know, drinks are free, so you don't have to, like, wait in line or anything, we're just gonna have, like, well, we're gonna have bartenders and stuff, but, like, you don't have to pay for drinks, it's just, like, included in the ticket price or whatever, and then, you know, we want people to just be, like, walking around being like, hey, do you want a jello shot or a syringe? Weird stuff. But, like, one of the reasons why I like that weird stuff is because it, it puts you in a situation where you're like, what the fuck is going on? I need help right now. <laughs> you know? Like, um, you know, so I don't I don't know. I don't know how people would view it. I, I for sure know it's complicated to set up. My head of production kind of hates me because, like, he's like, dude, a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, just it, it would just take so much to do. I was like, but it would be fun, though. <laughs> Like, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's one of the the cool things about Burning Man and about, like, Lakes of Fire and, like, regional burns and stuff, freakeasy and shit, is that, like, they all, it's all very, like, encouraging to, like, include people and stuff. And that's one of the things that I want is, like, I want people of all walks of life to be at these shows because, like, that's more fun, you know? Like, if you're... Uh, Wall Street banker, even though like low key, not not my kind of people. But like if 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 nothing, I mean, no comment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but like those people, like you have those people. If like they want to show up to the party in like a business suit and they want to be next to a person in bunny ears and like fairy wings or whatever, I'm I'm into it, dude. Like I don't I don't want anyone to be excluded from the event as long as they're like everyone's there for like you know peace and love and, and shit, like, nobody, and, like, 
the alt right or anything. Not to get like political, but fuck those people. But also, like, but I mean, you're not wrong. At the I same mean, yeah, time. yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want anyone to be there that's like hateful, you know. Like, um, that's one of you know, like, at the end of the day, one of the things that I feel like is lacking in in culture in general is like the idea of community and like, gat not gathering because there are shows and stuff every weekend. But it, it's like, you know, all these shows like. You know, you go to a club or something, and it's all like, again, no disrespect to anybody that goes to clubs or anything. I go to clubs a lot. But when you go there, it's just like, it's a very commercial vibe. Like, there's not like, it's not like a vibe of like a rave. When you go to a rave, it's like, you know, everybody's just, like, it's not like about posturing. There's no, you can't buy bottle service at a rave, you know? There's no, like, bunch of people that are there to, like, be like, oh, look at how cool we are. It's, like, everybody's just there. They're like, fuck yeah, this music. It's weird. It's got a lot of bass to it, and you feel it, and we're just surrounded by a bunch of people that like it. And a lot of people are, you know, just, like, there for that, and that and that's really cool. Like, again, sorry for rambling. It's a lot. You're good. I just wanted to know, though, because it's such... I feel like the rave culture and, like, the EDM and techno yeah. like house culture gets such a negative stigma. Yeah, for sure. So how would how do you kind of perceive that? Because I know myself, I, I just only know so many people. Yeah. So I want to understand like how either you have, like, either dealt with it or feel more over about it. Because there are obviously a lot more harder, more, you know, difficult and yeah scary drugs out there. Oh, for sure, dude. And, yeah, absolutely. Um... I think, like, electronic, like, any music, like, anyone that goes to a music show that goes until super late, there are people that are on drugs. And I think that one of the things that kind of sucks about where we're at right now, but one of the things that's also kind of exciting about, like, where we get to go is, like, you know, all of these giant festivals and stuff, um... You know, one of the reasons why there are all these people there that are just, like, on drugs is because, like, you know, it's, it's it, like, they're there to see a bunch of music and exclusively that. They're not necessarily there to be, like, part of a community or anything. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that's kind of been lost in our current EDM culture, you know? Um, and I don't think it, I don't think it needs to be like that, you know? Like, I don't... Like, I don't think you have to take drugs to go to a show. And, like, I don't. For, I mean, like, I can't do drugs. Like, I'm uh, I'm bipolar, so I'm medicated for that. I have narcolepsy, so I'm medicated for that. So I can't do these... I can't do drugs, for the most part. I mean, I can smoke weed, but that's pretty much it. And and so, like, I don't, I don't really... I don't do drugs, and, like, going to shows and stuff is, like, still one of my favorite things to do. I mean, like, you can't have that many records and be, like not about it you know right you can't you can't be like, yeah i'm not into you it can't anymore. always be on drugs because then like you can't fucking function but like <laughs> that that is one downside major yeah. downside i do feel so <laughs> yeah so i mean it's just like i like i i really like the culture um of electronic music as opposed to like some other types of music i think just because it does feel a little bit more inclusive but i mean it had it's it's gone a ways from where it used to be and like I don't I'm not really interested in trying to repeat what was happening in the past but like 
I think that what's happening in the past was like a really good bunch of lessons that we can like use to make something cool and productive. And like that's really what I'm trying to do is like, you know, it, it, a big part of it is just like if you treat artists well, they care. And if artists care, then the people around them care. And and that's a huge thing. It's like I have all my like all of my friends are like artists, like either music artists or visual artists, sculptors, painters, like all this stuff. And like, you know, like even developers that are artists, they're like developing art stuff, photographers, everybody. Yeah. You know, and I have all these people that are really into art and they're really good at it. And a lot of them are like, you know, like working at Starbucks and shit. And it's just like, dude, if like, if I don't make super legit stuff about us, like if I don't try and fuck everyone over, which seems like what the thing is to like try and like step on everybody in order to get up. Like if instead of doing that, if I like really just try and include everybody and get other people excited and pay them. And, like, do stuff in a, like, fair way, like, they'll be stoked about it and they'll want to come and it'll be more, like, pure or whatever, you know? Like, one of the things that sucks, like, like, no naming names, but, like, there are a lot of production companies and, like, the state of a lot of, uh, like, music industry in general is, like, you don't pay people and you have everybody doing favors and stuff and you know it's like I don't know man if you're gonna if someone's gonna be passing out ticket or passing out flyers outside of a show in Chicago in the winter and it's cold as fuck because it's Chicago like pay them something I mean like do something like like artists are coming and making an experience that you're able to sell tickets for fucking pay them like it doesn't you don't have to pay them a lot but like pay them fucking something you know like treat people well like it's so weird that like that's like a thing that you have to like emphasize right yeah but like you really do like i mean one of the things was like someone was like make sure your artists have a radius clause in their contracts when they sign to come to be a part of your party i'm like a radius contract or a radius clause by the way is basically, like, artists are not allowed to perform within a certain radius of that, of your event within X number of days before the event. I know that that was a big issue with, like, Coachella and yeah. Beyonce, too, and everything, so. And it's, like, th- the thing is, is, like, that's, like, it makes perfect business sense, right? Because you're trying to have something that's, like, more exclusive, so that way people are stoked to come to your thing. But, like... That all, like, people, especially, like, especially, like, new artists, like, they gotta make rent and shit, and, like, if they're artists, like, you know, ideally, they don't have a day job, like, they, they're doing what they do, and they do it well, so they get paid for it, and they make enough money where they can, like, perform, and that's their thing, so it's, like, having a radius clause, like, I don't want to ever do that, I don't want to have shit like that, I think that, like, if... You can't have a show that's, like, good enough that people want to come to it, like, and you, like, without, and you, and you, if, if you have to fuck people over in order to get people to your thing, then you don't, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Like, this first show is, like, I mean, this first show is free. <laughs> like, it's essentially free. Like, you come and you pay 20 bucks and you drink for free all night. Like, that's pretty lit. 
Um, especially on a Saturday in Chicago. Especially on a sh- Saturday in Chicago. And it's like, that's what's, you know, like this first show, we're not really like, we're not trying to make money, really. Like, we just want it to be good. And like, I don't, as a rule, I just want my shows to be good. When someone sees like that bunny on something, I want them to be like, fuck, we gotta go to this party. Why? I don't know. I don't know any of the people that are playing here, but it's gonna be fucking dope. Like, that's the thing. And I feel like a big part of that is treating artists and people like fucking human beings and, like, not being it's, shitty. It's a real wild concept. Yeah, I, it's so it's so weird. I mean, like, you know, like, paying everyone, obviously it makes it a little bit, like, harder to make a ton of money as the person throwing the party but like you know whatever like throw better parties throw more of them I I don't I don't fucking know man I mean I agree there's been some like internships for some other music companies around Chicago I've looked into and it's the same thing of pass out flyers and you can get like free tickets or blah 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 and I'm like free internships suck dude oh trust me oh no I know you know oh I've had at least nine so far Jesus see that's the thing is like dude I mean (laughs) Minimum wage is like eight seventy five, and I know that you should pay people fifteen dollars an hour, and like you totally should if you can, absolutely do that. But at fucking minimum, like people should be working for free. A stipend would be so nice. Exactly. Like even that, like just know that I that somebody is getting some type of payment, especially when it's. Yeah. I've done a lot that's, like, event work. Yeah. And event work is me standing outside or inside, but doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Heavy lifting, and I'm being paid nothing. And where I work at my other job at a radio station doing the same thing, but I get paid. Yeah. Granted, Chicago minimum wage, but I get paid. Yeah. Like, any money is better than no money. Like, everybody's got to make rent. It's fucking crazy to me that, like... I mean, I don't have any interns or anything because I can't afford them. So I have to do all of this shit myself. You know, like, it's fine. For now, like, it's fine. I don't want to have interns that are working for free, like, ever. Because, like, if someone's putting... They're, like, giving you time. You don't have a lot of time in your life. Fuck. I well, mean, especially if they're students, too. Then they also yeah, have... Then they they're working, study. they have class, they have projects. Dude. And then if you're asking them to do all these other things and you're like, okay, I'm going to exhaust this poor kid... Yeah. For free labor. Yeah, and the other thing is, is like, dude, like, especially for students, they have student loans, and they have, like, they're taking, like, debt, more debt ever now than, like, ever, in order to, like, go to school. Like, pay fucking people. That's such a stupid thing that you have to say. <laughs> but, like, it is. Like, Jesus. I mean, if that's the thing that's going to set me apart in the music industry... Then I mean, I mean, it could definitely, cool. once you get to that point, it'll definitely make you probably, like, a more exclusive, like, yeah. production company, essentially. Because, I mean... I, I mean, even, like, I know some, like, local bands are a little bit bigger. Yeah. And they'll solicit interns. Yeah. And they still won't pay them, even though... I mean, Grants, it's a local band. You're not getting paid too much, but it's still... They're like, oh, but you get free booze. You get free shows. And I'm like, okay, but I've also seen your shows how many times? And yeah, keep like... Hey, <laughs> I mean... The other thing is, like, taxes. I mean, like, dude, if you hire people as independent contractors, it's, like, super easy. I mean, like, it it isn't that complicated to do. Like, making people, making sure that the people that are working are, like, happy to be working. You know? Because work sucks. Like, dude, I worked, like, a a 40-hour-a-week job with my fucking nose in a computer the entire time. And I liked it, for the most part, because people in the tech industry are treated well. But, like, I've worked at places where you weren't treated well, and 
I left those places within days, you know? Like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not cool to treat people like shit, so just don't do that. <laughs> anyway, um, we probably have to have the tickets be, like, a few more dollars. Like, is $2 really going to be the thing that makes or breaks whether you go to a show? I mean, if... At the end of the day, like, that's another thing that I want to do, but I don't really know how to implement that, is, like, have, like, a sliding scale. Like, I know that my my friends used to run um, uh, Young Camelot before it got shut down. Joey. My dude, Joey. Um, But that was one of the things that was cool, was, like, they had, like, donations, and, like, you you donated what you could afford to donate, you know? Like, if you could only afford $2, you paid $2. But if you could afford to pay 20 bucks. Like, whenever I went to the show as, like, a person that was making a lot of money, I just gave them 50, you know? It's like they needed, like, capital to, like, make the thing work. And so I always really like that. I like the idea that, like, you know, ticket prices... Because, like, not everybody can afford a $20 ticket, which, you know, is one of the reasons why it's, like, drinks are free is because, like, not everybody can afford a $20 ticket. And we just want it to be a good party. Like, that's the main thing. So... <laughs> um, so I know you said that you kind of started in the punk background and now you've yeah. migrated into more of the rave EDM yeah. scene and I feel that that's something that I think a lot of modern like EDM artists have sort of taken Yeah, like I know this isn't super EDM but like Matt and Kim they were, Dude, doing, yeah. were in like punk yeah. and now they're doing I mean they put in fucking amazing shows. Dude, they do. And oh my like, god, they're wild. But like, the, Foster I feel... Thomas remix Matt and Kim. I have that song. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And like, dude, when I was in high school, I was like kind of a scene kid. Not like a super scene kid, but I was, I was, I was a scene kid for sure. It's okay. I was a slightly scene kid, but I was like more emo. But I was like, I listened to Hollywood Undead. So Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, when I was like really into punk and stuff, I just was like, I don't know, man. Like. I was I really liked the idea of not giving a fuck. And one of the things that was really cool about you know, I, I just I originally when I when I first started listening to electronic music, it was all like drum and bass and like really heavy like stuff. And as time's gone by, it's like I've gotten a little bit more chilled out as a person. Um but like when I was in, when I was listening to punk every day, you know, it's not that big of a leap to go from punk to drum and bass or jungle because it's super fast it's the same vibe like you're still like you know whatever you could almost mosh to most like drum and bass like really hardcore drum and bass um but it's not that big of a leap but you know to get from there to now like now i like you know just like i mean i in my personal time i don't i don't dj it but in my personal time i listen like super ambient chill techno and like house music um same this like my chill out music like when i'm totally. on the metro back home i'll turn it on i'll like yeah pass out. <laughs> dude like fortet fortet is the perfect example of that fortet burial i mean that's not house but like fortet burial like you can't dj that for the most part you can dj some fortet songs he's great by the way he's an amazing performer at smart bar um but you can't like play burial really at a rave you know but like because you're trying to get people's energy up. But, like, in my free time, yeah, I mean, like, that's, like, the main thing that I listen to is, like, Aphex Twin, Burial, Fortet, fucking, I don't know, a bunch of weird random house music, like, that's chill. I don't know. Uh, 
something about tying that into punk music. I don't know. I don't know. Dude, it was all... One of the cool things about electronic music is that it's, like, underground. Like, if you listen to Top 40 EDM shit, you know, it's the same thing as, like, listening to, like, Top 40 pop punk or whatever. But, like, if you dig, if you go to record stores... Go to Gramophone Record Store, by the way. It's the best store ever. Um, I used to work there. I went there so much that they paid, like, hired me. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the ultimate, like, Dude. indie kid dream oh, at this point. Oh, my God. When I, it was, like, 2010... I literally, when I moved here, I would just go to it every day, and then I was like, man, I really want to work at this store. I'm in there all the time anyway. I put together, like, a PowerPoint presentation and everything. <laughs> I went in there, and Michael Serafini, the guy, he plays Queen every Sunday, and he's with Derek Carter, and he's a fucking amazing DJ. I went in there, and I was just like, God, this is what I want to do. Like, you guys should put your music on the internet, and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, well, okay. And then the next day, they were like, you want to come in and listen to records every day? Like, literally just, like, upload sounds to the internet, all these classic house songs, just, like, sit in a room and do that. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. I almost was like, you don't even need to pay me. But I was like, you should totally pay me. And they paid me, and then I had spent all the money on records. That That's how it goes. It's a, re- it's a very vicious cycle. It is. It is a very vicious cycle. That's where, like, a ton of those records come from. I mean, but, those, are, those are very cool. Do you have a favorite record, specifically? I do. It's upstairs. Um, it's actually one of the first records I ever bought. Um, I love Diplo. Um, Diplo now is a different Diplo. Diplo now is like Diplo trying to like feed his kids, and I get that, and that's cool. But like Diplo, like way long ago, he used to have this project called Hollertronics, and like one of the first records I bought from Turntable Lab in New York City was this dude I don't even know it has a remix of Paul Simon on it it's like it's called the Unruly Simon Joint or something like that and um it starts out I'll play it for you guys but it starts out just really weird it's like woo yeah woo for like a minute and then it actually plays like Paul Simon with like a really good beat in it uh, Baltimore Club beat and like yeah I mean like that's probably like my favorite I think it's probably my favorite record. I think, I mean, I have a burial record that's really cool. That and that I listen to just by myself. But I think that Paul Simon joint is pretty lit. Um, and Diplo with Hollertronics. I mean, like one of the that was. I have so much respect for Diplo because, you know, even though I'm not like I'm not a, I love his music, all like all of it. I love the production value of all of it. Um, it's gotten better over time. It was crazy to watch it grow. But he gives so many, like, young artists... He does exactly what I want to do. Like, Diplo is, like, my, like, role model in terms of, like, how how he, like, shaped Mad Decent and Jeffries and stuff. Is like, all these, like, cool, no one knows their name. He just takes them, gives them, like, a platform. They make dope stuff. And then they kind of blow up, and they get big, and then he's like, "All right, now go and do your own thing." And that's like exactly what I want to do: is like literally find people who are in between where they're like DIYing their own shows and shit. Take them from that point until the point where like they are like comfortable enough that they could, if they wanted to, get signed to a major la- label. Like they have enough work, and it's good. 
and they've been doing a lot of shows and they have publicity and stuff. Like, I want to do that because that is so fucking rad. Like, I'm coming from a position of so much fucking privilege in my life that, like, just to be able to help anyone do that is, like, goals. Like, that's dope. Because, like, I want to make play, make music and play music and do all that shit. But, like, you know, if you're doing it alone and you're doing it for yourself, it's like, why? You know? Like, there are thousands of things that you could do. Like, if you really wanted to just, like, do stuff by yourself and and not help other people, then, like, I don't know. I don't know what you could do. You could do, be a Wall Street banker. <laughs> In a suit at a rave. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any artists, like, with you now? No. Like, that's the thing. Like, I love R34L, because they have, like, an orbital vibe. Like, the first time that's, you know, they're playing... Doc Pearson, the other guy who's, like, on our ticket for the show, I just love his, like... I love the music that he DJs, man. Doc Pearson is dope. And, like, the first time I saw... I saw... I was at Pizza, which is pizza, but with beat. Pizza. <laughs> and, uh... And it was R34L and Doc Pearson... And R34L just reminded me of Orbital. Like, it's all, like, you know, like, chill. Mostly chill. I mean, like, even even the stuff of theirs that's, like, upbeat, it's still very, like, mellow. It reminds me of, like, um, the Orb, specifically, uh, which was Orbital before Orbital. Um, or, wait, was... I don't fucking know. Whatever. Anyway. I, I don't know who it is. I don't remember. But, anyway, it reminds me of that. Because it was just, like, super... Like, she just has such a cool voice, you know? And, like, their beats are pretty dope. That's pretty cool. Um, and Doc Pearson's, like, you know, I don't know. He just plays really good music. He's just a good DJ. Um, I think he's doing some weird, like, performance thing at our show. I don't know. I don't really know what he's doing. It's going to be cool. That's all I know because it's Doc Pearson. Um, but, like, you know, I'd love to work with, you know, R34L. I like working with hip-hop. Um... I just am not exposed to that much of it. Um, I feel like that's a pretty general census for most of, you know, north side. Yeah, it's kind of... It's, it's hard to get... I mean, and if you've ever been on, like, the DIY Chicago pages, too, you see yeah. people like, I want to do hip-hop shows up north, but there's so many places that ban it. Well, yeah, and that's one of the things that sucks is that, like, dude, there's, like... It's, like, pretty hardcore established racism in Chicago in general because it's like you know I think Young Camelot got shut down the first time they had a hip hop show like I'm pretty sure that's the reason why they got shut down and the cops showed up like immediately or something I don't know I don't remember but like I wasn't even at that show I don't think or maybe I anyway whatever um, but yeah it, I mean it sucks like as soon as you have like people that are you know, doing hip-hop or whatever, and the crowds that like hip-hop, especially Chicago hip-hop, show up, it's like, white people freak out, man. It's it's, it's shitty. Like, I don't get it. I mean, I I get it in the sense that, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I get it in the sense that, like, when you're used to seeing, like, rock audiences all the time, and, like, you know... It's a culture shock. It, it totally is, but, like, it's, like fuck that like new york is dope because of that one thing like there aren't the seg the communities aren't as segregated it's like you're you're more exposed to different types of people and stuff and that's what i feel like one of the things i feel like chicago that we get to like help make about chicago we get to like kind of break down those barriers 
but you know it's pretty those barriers are pretty established at this point um so yeah like i i, I don't really want to like pigeonhole super legit records as like a electronic music label or something it, well, i just want it to be underground music that's good like at the end of the day i don't care just like, very like whomever wants to work with pretty, me and be well, chill it's gonna be as long as like at the end of the day i have to like the music um but like i i have to like the music it has to be something because i have to like put so much energy into like promoting it so you know and right now no, I don't have any artists on my label. That's like the short answer is like, no, I'm the only artist on my label. But the reason for that is because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, this is all new, dude. I was a developer, man. I'm like in the deep end right now. And I'm just trying to make everything work. Thankfully, I've surrounded myself with a bunch of people that know what the fuck they're doing. But I don't know anything. So, like, I pressed my record with fucking, um, not right. Um, Smash Plastic, and they did a fucking great job. I don't. I. I. If 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 I'm gonna make a mistake on anyone's record, it needs to be on my record, not anyone else's. So it's like the first like few releases that we're gonna do, they're all mine because I don't want to screw up anyone's music or like not get sample clearance on someone's song and then they get like sued. Like that. That can't happen. Like. Just, like, on a moral level, like, when someone signed, like, no one needs to sign to a record label anymore. It's not a thing. Like, you can, you can totally self-promote, like, you don't need record labels, I don't think, anymore. But the reason why I have one is because, like, you can do everything yourself and work out, I mean, it takes so much fucking energy to do it, but, like, you can totally do it yourself, but then you're spending all of your time, all of your energy doing something that's, like, not art. Right. So, like... If you can just, like, do what you want to do, like, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why my company's set up the way it is, is, like, we have, I have a record label, I have a production company, I have a distribution company, I have a publishing company, and I have, like, a studio, right? And they're all super legit thing. So, the reason why I have that set up is because, like, I want to be able to offer the artists, like, everything, and then they can pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And that's only possible if you, like, are able to do all of the things. Like, if you sign to a major label, they have you sign a 360 deal. They get a part of your merchandise and they get a part of everything. And, like, that's what sucks. You know, like, people, you don't get money the same way that you used to anymore. And I want to basically be able to offer that same deal, but, like, with everything a la carte. Where you could just be like, all right, well you know, we can book our own shows, we can book our own tour, and as long as they're good, like, as long as they're up to the standard or right, whatever. Right, as long as they're bringing in bodies and they're not like, yeah. oh, I know how to book a tour and they're bringing in five people per show. Yeah, like, or <laughs> like, doing something where they're putting the audience at jeopardy. Like, safety is pretty fucking important, and like, permits are annoying, but they exist for a reason. Yeah. And so, like, you know, if they're, they can't be throwing shows without, like, permits or, like, with you know, fire hazards and shit like that. But, like, as long as they're able to do the thing, like, if they want to make their own t-shirts, like, fucking do it, man. I don't, I don't really care. Like, th for me, the the idea, the goal, is more about being able to support people on their, like, journey. And, like, at least, at the very least, like, give them advice and work on them. Work work with them, you know? Um, and right now, I'm not able to do that because I'm dumb right now. But, like, in, like, six months, 
Like, I I already know so many things more than I did when I started this in November. Like, I've already made, like, a ton of mistakes, and I'm alright with it. Because it's like, you know, I don't know how else I would learn these things if I didn't fuck them up in some way. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, like, the person who's doing them, and that's it. It's because, like, I don't want to fuck anyone else's shit up, you know? It's like, if we're going to throw a show... And people are going to play it, like, I'm at least going to make sure that I'm the main person that's playing it, just from the perspective of, like, if something goes wrong, it should fuck up my set. It shouldn't fuck up everybody else's, you know? I think that's so different, because usually when people, what people traditionally think of when you start your own record label is, like, oh, this guy thinks that they're so much better than other people. Fuck that. And I feel that it's so different that you're like, no, if it's, that's going to be my burden until I streamline everything because I'm yeah. not going to make that mistake on other people. Yeah. And I think that's just so diff. It's so incredibly different from at least my personal experiences and what I've just researched. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, dude, is that like, it seems, like it seems kind of obvious but like you know then you have like fire i'm not trying to throw shade at anybody but like at you you have a, a festival that went terrible because like they made a bunch of assumptions about stuff like i mean there is a whole weekend park pop, park and pop-up bar about it i know soon. <laughs> uh no comment again not not disparaging or anything to anybody but like you know like it ends up bad it, it ends up really or, in their or, case it ended up right. fucking terribly or it could be but, god forbid totally awful like ghost ship um, oh, no. dude, yeah. And that's, like, the thing is, like, uh, one of the things going to art school specifically teaches you, and I think one of the things that people, like, undervalue the fuck, like, they don't recognize that it's a skill, but, like, the skill of, the art of failing is, like, huge. Like, everyone fails at everything. You can't get good at anything if you don't suck at it. Like, that's one of the things that's cool about being good at something is that you sucked at it. It's what makes it fun it, that you like, you know, if you're a rock climber, the thing that makes it so cool when you send it and you get that fucking awesome, like whatever crack that you just climbed. One of the things that makes it cool is that it sucked. It was so hard. And then you made it happen, you know? And I think that like you have to be, you have to be good at failing in order to succeed at anything. And so one of the things that art school teaches you is like, especially school of in Chicago, everything's so experimental. You have to fail. Like there's no option. And when you fail, you have to find a way to fail gracefully. You can't just like fuck up and then go into your like, um, whatever, uh, critique and just be like, this sucks, whatever. You have to, like, go in and you have to sell it. You're like, okay, this is what this is about. And when people don't get it, that's your failure. Or, like, when people, you know, when it, when it just plain sucks and you know it sucks and you still have to go in and you still have to be like, this is what worked. That's huge. Like, people don't do that. You go to business school, I like, computer science people, like, if their code doesn't work, they're, like, not about it. They're like, fuck, I fucked up, whatever. Like, the way that I coded was everything is going to fail constantly. And everything failed constantly until I made everything work. Like, that's, you know, I had, at the end of it, I was getting job interviews at Google. They flew me out to interview for YouTube. And I know, dude. And I mean, I, I didn't get the job, but even, like, I was hoping to get offered the job at YouTube. No shade to Google or YouTube right now. But I was hoping to offer... 
I, I was hoping to get a job offer from YouTube just so I could turn it down because it's like a perfect bookmark. You know, it's like I'm doing something different now. I reached the goal that I was trying to do. I always wanted to work for Google because they treat their employees really well. And despite all of the bullshit that they also pull, they also do a ton of good stuff. I mean, like they have like think just think about Google's homepage, man. Like <laughs> like every day they have a review, like a Google Doodle that like gives props to someone who did something great, like Susan B. Anthony and like Alan Turing and like all these dope people. You know, Amazon doesn't fucking do that. Amazon's I will throw shade at Amazon. <laughs> Fuck Amazon. I mean, like all at people, Amazon going. I ha- I have I have a bunch of people who 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 work for Amazon. They're all great people, and they're they're doing their best and stuff. But like on a high level, like Amazon doesn't do that shit. Google doesn't have to have Google Doodles, dude. Like they don't. They have an entire culture where you can go in and ask any question to any person in any part of management. Like they have meetings every month where you can go in and you can ask like. The people who run Google, Sergey Brim, I think. Anyway, you can go in, you can ask that motherfucker a question. It has to be a good question. But there's, like, you can do it. Like, it's dope. Like, so much of culture, like, that's dope comes from just being able to talk and being able to ask questions. So, Black Market, you can find the event on Facebook. You just look for Black Market. Um... As an event that's happening on Saturday. That's one. Two, you could go to Super Legit Period FM, which is our website. And on there, there's like a five minute video of like a bunch of people dancing in front of a green screen, which is like our ads for the show. And then there's a link that says Rave, and you click that link and it takes you to Eventbrite. Or you can look for Eventbrite and you can do that. You should totally follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is fun because I hired, like, I, I do stand-up comedy sometimes, but I also know a bunch of stand-up comedians. And so I've, I've, like, hired some of my favorite Chicago comedians. Andre Hashim, Hashim is, uh, he's super dope, and he's writing our tweets, so it's, like, a bunch of jokes and shit. So if you follow us on Twitter, it's fun. Uh, Instagram, super legit underscore FM. Thanks for stopping by and checking out our episode. Uh, I bet you thought you weren't going to hear my voice on this, but here I am to say thanks for uh, checking out. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. And also, like, throw us a review or something, you know? Like, it'd be cool. We're also on YouTube, Emo Social Club. Uh, come and, uh, you know, like us on there too, cause that'd be nice. We need more subscribers on the tubes. Anyway, uh, thanks for stopping by. From all of us here at the Emo Social Club Podcast, I'm Brian, and goodbye!